Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Okay. Wow. This is not the normal place for me, right? <laughs> um, interesting story. So Pastor Joseph asked me to speak three weeks ago. And he told me, I want you to speak on worship. And, you know, I'm like, hey. And I told somebody I was going to speak on worship. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, and, like, literally a couple hours later after he asked me to speak on worship, I began to think about worship and this whole thing. And I'm like, wait a second. Worship is about the person that you're worshiping a lot, right? Not necessarily the worshiper. And uh, so in other words, great. I, Pastor Joseph just asked me to like literally speak on like the reverence and awe of God. Like how in the world do you use human words, right? To speak on the reverence of God. And so then I began to panic. Right? And so I am praying about this and I have preached, this is only the second time I've preached for CCC, but uh, there's so many people that I know here and this is so hard. Uh, but my parents are in the back. My husband is in the back. Pastor Chris and Judy are here, right? And um, so they all know me. Um, and they know I am a planner. I'm a planner. I need to know things in advance. I need my little outline. And then I need what fills in the outline. That's me, right? And so any other time I have preached, always how this has worked is I pray, like, God, show me. Tell me what I'm going to say. And God is so good, right? He tells me. And so I write down what he tells me to say, and then I say it. It works out very nice. Uh, and so uh, this time, uh, Pastor Joseph asked me, and I'm praying, God, tell me what to say. God, tell me what to say. God, tell me what to say. And he gave me immediately two verses came to my mind. And the one I knew exactly where it was, it was in Job 26. And the other one, I didn't know where it was. Um, but it was about that he made rises the nations up and he brings them low, right? And uh, I had no clue where that was at, and so I had to Google it. Um, a very spiritual thing right there. Um, and so when I Googled it, uh, you know, it was a job, all right? And so I'm like, oh, my Lord, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm saying to God, God, you want me to speak on worship from Job? Like, really? Job is not, anybody that knows anything about Job knows Job is a suffering book, right? It's not a worship book. And so I proceed to, like, tell God this all because, of course, he doesn't know and wasn't there. You know, it's not like it's about him. So I'm like, God, let me tell you what Job is about here, right? And when the, you can tell me what you really want me to talk about. And uh, so he has been very insistent, right, that I'm talking about Job. But the amazing thing is, is that literally up until this time, um, God has largely veiled uh, exactly the words that I am supposed to say to you. Uh, and I believe he's going to give me them as I speak um, to the point where, and this is really making me crazy, because last night, even as God like, is speaking to me as I'm reading, and I've read Job so many times in the last three weeks, it's not even funny. Um, but as he's speaking to me, he begins to give me these thoughts. But as soon as I go to write them down on the paper, I was telling Shirley this morning, it's like he comes to my brain, he's like, no, uh, you can't write. Um, and so uh, then it just, there's, no sense that comes of it. But the more that I started thinking about this with Job and his story, isn't that exactly what was happening, right? Like the more that Job tried to explain his life or to understand what was happening in his life, the more confusing the situation got. And um, 
So we're just going to take a couple minutes, right? I'm going to stop, and we're going to pray. And we're going to believe that God has something powerful that he wants to share uh, to me and with all of you, right? We'll do this together. Um, so God, I just come before you right now. Lord, we bow our knees before you. We know that we are nothing without you, God. First uh, Corinthians just tells us, right, that we are not qualified to do anything on our own, but it's your spirit that qualifies us. God, that you enabled us to be ministers of your new covenant that isn't a covenant that is written, but it's a covenant of your spirit that comes and just supersedes our life and all that we are, God, and that you take that which is not and you make it that which is. And so, Jesus, uh, we just give you all of the praise and the glory and the honor right now. We say we are yours. We are yours. Uh, We empty ourselves, God, that you can fill us up. All right, in your mighty name I pray. Amen. So Job, really interesting, right? But worship, if we think about this in the context of worship, right? Worship uh, is a lot about where we start from, right? And so Job, we can see, like, when we start out with Job, literally the very first chapter, a couple different times, right? God is very, very clear. Um, Job is a good guy, right? Job is blameless. Job is upright. Job runs away from evil. He is a good guy. And so... Um, as far as when we start out our life in a place of worship, right, Job is starting out at a pretty good place. He's made a decision. He has said yes to God. He has really, like, laid down. And if you read a little bit longer or farther in it, we see that he had ten kids. And those ten kids, every time they would go and they would have a party, he thought, oh, jeepers, right, maybe. I'm sure he said jeepers, too. Uh, but he thought maybe, right, that one of them has accidentally sinned, and I better go just kind of, like, make a sacrifice for even that, right, just to make sure we're on the up and up here. So he is being incredibly careful. Uh, His worship, as far as, like, recognizing, fearing who God is, uh, he is right on target. And then we see this kind of funky thing happen in Job, right? And so what happens is that God and Satan, apparently, like the angels and the different demons or angels or whatever, both in authority, have to come and report to God every so often. And so Job talks about this happening. And so what we see is that God and Satan, uh, God has Satan kind of reporting out. And God says to Satan, have you noticed, Job? And it says, uh, right, he literally says, this is chapter 1, verse 9. I'm sorry, not verse 9, verse 8. Um, It says, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? And so this kind of like starts out this thing where Satan is alleging that the only reason that that Job is worshiping is because God is doing good things in his life. And so if God takes away some of this stuff, then Job is not going to stay faithful. And so God allows, right? It's pretty much where he says, okay, I'm going to kind of drop my hedge a little bit, right? And let's see what Job's heart really is. And so the next thing, like Job stays faithful through that trial, and this whole thing happens again, right? Satan comes back again. And um, says, okay, 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 that didn't work, but that's just because you won't let me touch his health, right? But if I touch his body, if you take away his health, then he's going to curse you. And so God again relents, right? And we're going to come back to this thought, right? I know this part. 
Um, God's going to come back to this thought, or we're going to come back to the thought of God relenting and says again, okay, I'm going to drop that guard, but here's the line, right? Like you cannot take his life. And so the rest of the book of Job is this whole situation transpiring and Job struggling um, with the situation of what in the world has happened in my life. Right? Like, we have been that. And this is what I know, right? Just some of you, right? I know your backstories or your current stories or whatever it is. And some of you, I don't know what's going on in your life. But I'm getting the feeling, right? I think we're all pretty safe. Uh, we're tired, right? We're tired. Life is hard. We're tired. The economy is crazy. The country seems crazy, right? People are kind of a little bit crazy, right? Like, our jobs are crazy. Families are crazy. Stuff's crazy, and we're tired. And Job is at this place, right, where he initially comes and he says, when all of his possessions are taken, right, he loses literally everything. I mean, Satan doesn't, like, half do this, right? When Satan comes against Job, he takes everything. All of his kids, right, he's got ten kids again. All of his ten kids die. His possessions are literally all taken away. And so Job is actually, he's sitting there with nothing. It says, this happens quickly, too. This isn't like one month this happens, six months later something else happens. It says literally, as one person is coming telling him about the tragedy, the next person comes about the next tragedy, and then the next person comes until literally he's sitting there in that moment and everything is gone. But what Job does in that second is Job says, this is Job's incredible, incredible response. He says, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head fell on the ground, and he worshipped, right? He worshipped, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. What an amazing place to be, right? That you can literally have everything, Again, this isn't just physical possessions. This is family, right? He's lost his family. He's lost 10 kids, and yet he steps back in that moment, and he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And uh, so how in the world, right, the challenge of us being at that place in our own hearts, right? Like Job should be that person that motivates, right? We need to learn from him and say, what got you there, right? What got you there? And uh, just that attention, right? I really believe that that's a, that attention to doing what God wants us to do for being faithful in that moment um, is what sets the, the um, kind of the foundation, right? The foundation for where we want to go. Um, but then, after he, his health is attacked, uh, Job is starting to waver a tad bit. Now, he still doesn't say uh, anything, um, and his wife is kind of like, okay, seriously, Job, like, this is not funny anymore. Uh, you've not only lost everything, but now your own health is under attack. Clearly, uh, you just need to curse God, like, forget about this. This is ridiculous. Like, walk away. Um, and Job holds steady, and he says, no, 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 right? We take good from God. Uh, shouldn't we also take evil? Um, and so, obviously, though, Job is devastated, right? We want to sit here and kind of read this from a distance sometimes, but I think we can all find ourselves somewhere in this story, right? We know what loss is. And so we know when you have that deep, deep grief, right, and I'm, it shuts you down, it stops you, right, in your tracks, and you can't pray, you can't say anything, right? You are just, you are stopped. 
And that's where Job is here. And it says his friends came <laughs> to cheer him up. Wow. Uh, if this is cheering up, we got problems, right? Um, and so uh, Job's friends come, though, but it says when they saw him at a distance, literally, they are speechless, right? Like they cannot believe what they're seeing um, because Job is so distraught with grief. And literally, it was, the grief was so intense and his suffering was so severe that it says they sat in silence for one week, right? An entire week, they could do nothing but sit around in a circle and look at each other with complete silence because of what has happened with Job. And uh, so after a week goes by, this discussion starts, right? And the discussion starts with, um, what in the world, Job? Like, clearly, we can tell you what's gone down here. You've messed up, right? You have messed up. You've done something wrong. You sinned. Your kids sinned. And they start all of this allegations. Like, it goes through this whole thing. This has happened to you because you did something wrong. Right? And here is the truth, right? Can we back up a second? But if we do a really good, at one point in my life, I decided uh, I was raised in a Christian family. Thank you to my lovely parents, right? They taught me what it was to know God and how to walk with him, and they raised me in a church. Um, But uh, when crisis hits, right, that rocks your world, and all of a sudden, your parents' religion or even the Christianity that you've held to before is just not good enough, right? And you've got to begin to search, and you've got to find out, right? You're asking questions, and you're saying, okay, I don't care what I've been taught, right? I don't care what I've been heard or what I've heard before. I don't care what my pastor said. I don't care what my evangelist on the radio said. I don't care what my parents said. I don't care. You tell me who you are because if I'm holding to something that's not true, it's not going to hold. There is nothing, right? You might as well curse God and die because there's nothing really there to hold to. And uh, so I did this search, right, about different things. And one of the things that God showed me is the truth of it is trouble does come to you sometimes, right? And we see this in Jesus' life. Trouble does come sometimes because of um, mistakes that were made, right? We kind of like, it's kind of that whole kind of you made your bed, you got to lie in a type thing, right? And so there are times where that's the case. Um, there are other times where somebody else's chaos touches our life, right? And so as a result, there's brokenness that we feel because of that. But Job's is a very interesting situation, right? This was not worship, him worshiping in the moment. He did nothing wrong, right? And there are times in our life where we need to know that, we need to hear that. You've done nothing wrong, right? The tragedy and whatever you're struggling with in this moment is not about the fact that you've done something wrong. It's about the fact that there is a bigger story that's being told over your life. And uh, But so Job's friends have not, they're just not familiar with this, right? And so they're sitting here struggling with somebody's got to be at fault here, right? Somebody's got to be at fault. And so they continue to find this. And Job goes from at first just saying, listen, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm telling you, I have no clue what this is about, right? And uh, so he is innocent. He's like, help me. Like, help me think about this. And uh, they're not very helpful, right? We'll just say that. And so they're not very helpful. And as it goes through, and Job is trying to defend himself and defend himself and defend himself, right? And his friends are coming back, and they're just accusing him. They're not helping. Um, But so as this is all going down, Job, of course, is getting more and more frustrated and more and more at him. And it starts where he's just kind of asking questions. But here's where he goes, right? He goes to the place where it's more than just asking questions, and he begins to blame God. He literally changes 
how he sees God. And so it says in verse, um, hold on here. Um, chapter 30, right, and verse 20. This is Job, and he's crying out to God, and he says, I cry to you for help. You don't answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. That is an interesting place to be, right? But have we been there? If I'm going to be sit here, be very honest to you, I've absolutely, absolutely, in the heart of the moment of suffering, right, said to God, that's just mean. Why did you do that? Right? And so uh, as Job says this, but right, even in this place, here's the amazing thing. As Job is saying, like, I don't know what I did wrong. This doesn't make any sense. God has to be being mean because there's no other explanation for what's going on. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. And uh, the amazing thing is in Job 19, he says, uh, after all of this, he's like, if I could just, I've lost everything. He's sitting here. He says, my brothers are far from me. Those who knew me are estranged. My relatives have failed. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house, my maidservants, I'm a stranger. All right, I'm a foreigner to them. Um, And he goes through this whole thing, I've lost, I've lost, I've lost, I've lost. But then he says this. "Um, Oh, that my words were written. The irony of God, right? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Right? And so even in this incredible suffering when it doesn't make any sense, we see something about God's, Job's character, right? We see something about the way that he worships is that even though it is not making any sense, right? If you want to read a very human way of suffering, it gets very real in this. Job is like cursing the day. I hate the fact that I died. I'd rather, he literally says, right? I would rather be someone kill me, right? Than continue to live in my life under these circumstances. This is how drastic he was. And he's very honest about it. And I love the fact about God that he captured it. He did write it, right? He made sure that Job's words were written. He made sure that the struggles of his heart were captured here in this book. Um, And so there is nothing uh, painted pretty about this. Job is suffering and hard, and he's very mad, and he's very hurt, and it makes no sense to him. And yet, in that place, he says, "Uh, I know my Redeemer lives. I am not going to curse God, right? Now, he did blame him, but he didn't curse God. He knew that even though it doesn't make any sense, and he says that more than once, right? He says it more than once about, man, God will, uh, he is there. Um, In his last, oh boy, God and I were trying to make a deal. Like, at least you got to let me starve stuff. Um, anyways, it is here, right? I promise. We're in Job, right? <laughs> um, but the truth of it is, he comes back to this again and again. Though he slay me, that's it. Uh, thank you, God. Um, though he slay me, yet I will trust him, right? That's where Job is uh, in that moment of worship. That's though I slay, he slay me. They, he took it all away, and he says, right? Listen, if it's not God, you tell me who. 
Who else has the power to do something on this level? Um, and so Job really is kind of struggling in this moment, and yet he chooses. His worship isn't perfect, but he chooses to worship in that place. And I think that's the second key, right? That sometimes we feel like we've got to have it all together, right? That unless we're marching around saying, praise God, with our hands in the air, right, then we're not really worshiping. We're not pleasing to God, and he's not going to do whatever he says he's going to do, right, to you, because it has to look perfect. And here's what we know. Uh, Job's worship, right, the way that we see it, it doesn't look perfect. God met him exactly where he was, quite literally, here we're going to see, right? He comes to that place, and he speaks into that situation. Um, And so Job is saying continually, continually, God, I just wish that you would, I would like to be able to see. Let's have a meeting, right? That's what he's saying. Let's have a meeting so I can talk to you face-to-face, and you just tell me. And isn't it awesome? Guess what? We can talk to God face-to-face now. Right? We, can, we get that meeting with God, and he says, there's nobody to stand between us. Right? There's nobody to cast away your wrath. There's nobody to block it. Um, we know right? Jesus blocks that wrath. <laughs> Jesus blocks the wrath of God. And in this case, though, this is what we know. It felt like it was the wrath of God that was coming on Job. It wasn't the wrath of God. Right? It wasn't the wrath of God. Job, God wasn't mad. God actually was incredibly proud of Job right? in this whole thing. Um, and so... They kind of go through more, and his friends are saying, there's some of the most powerful descriptions, and that is why I knew this, right? So let me just read uh, Job 26. This is one of the verses that uh, God gave me uh, when God first told me to speak about Job. Uh, But it says, uh, the dead tremble under the waters, right? And this is obviously Job's description of who God is. He's telling his friends, this is who I know God to be. Um, He says, um, the dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Shoal is naked before God, and Abaddon has no cover. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the clouds are not split open with them. He covers the face of the moon and spreads over it his cloud. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, all of these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power... Who can understand? That is amazing, right? That's an amazing description when you think about God on that level. And uh, if you know me, I like to walk, right? I always tell everybody I'm like a dog. You can walk me a million times a day. I'll be perfectly happy, right? Um, But so I'm walking around Oil City, and as I'm walking, there are birds that are kind of like running in front of me. And I was watching them. They kind of obviously, like, went off to the side and stuff. And so the thought came to my mind, Renee, when you're walking here, who do you identify more with? Do you identify yourself with that bird, or are you identifying yourself more on kind of God's level? And I realized in that moment, and don't get me wrong, like, obviously, we're filled with the Spirit of God. We have value and worth. I'm not saying anything different. But there's something to recognizing I We're not God. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the authority. We don't have the power, right? We're not God. We don't know. And so in that moment, when I began to see myself, like, I 
guess I'm kind of like the bird, right? I guess I'm kind of like the bird, God, right? Like I'm here and we have been put here for this reason. And part of worship, right, is really truly, it's recognizing our place in this world, right? It's recognizing the fact that at the end of the day, like, who are we? You know, we are created. We have been put here for a purpose and a place and a position that there isn't anything. This isn't about our dreams, right? It's not about our stories. It's about the story that God wants to tell with our life. And part of worship is recognizing we have to come to the place where we see God at such a high place, right? We recognize who he is in such a deep way that it causes us to sit down. You know, there are times, right, when you're chatting. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, right, but I'll get on a roll. I'm chatterboxing about whatever it is. And uh, going, 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 and somebody will say something all of a sudden, right? And you're just like, good point, right? Like, it just kind of stops you. And that's what I think God is trying to get us to, right? It's that he's trying to get us to the point where we can see him so clearly, and we see him high enough and stuff. Yes, he's our friend, but he is the king of all kings, and he's the Lord of all lords. He is the creator and the only one, right? And so when we're sitting there in that capacity, looking at him in that way, there better be some times in your life, right, where you are sitting back and you are saying, okay, I have no idea. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're after. I don't know what your purpose or your plan is here in this thing. But I know this. You are God, and I am not. And so I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to walk in that place and in that moment, and I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do, right? I'm going to stop arguing with you. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm just going to say yes, right? And so I think um, as Job goes on, uh, the amazing thing is we see uh, he gets his moment, right? He gets his moment, and um, Job says, Um, so Job says uh, that God is coming and he shows up, right? Now talk about that, right? Have you ever been, I had this happen once when I was in high school. Ah, bad, bad thing, right? Don't talk about people. It's a very bad thing. But so anyways, I'm, at, I'm young and uh, I was at work and my friend and I were talking about my boss. And uh, my boss happened to walk up behind me, right? <laughs> and I didn't know he was there, right? And uh, so this is kind of what I picture right here. Like Job is kind of going on, and they're all having this argument, and all of a sudden, who steps on the scene? But literally the one Job has been saying the entire time, like, if God were just here, I would tell him, right? And, um, so all of a sudden, there he is, you know? And uh, so God begins to talk to Job, and he says, okay, right? Hey, you said you had a thing or two to tell me, right? Let's talk, right? And so God begins to recount all of these things. And here's the amazing thing about this all. Some of the things that God was saying, Job was saying. Some of the things that God was saying, Job's friends said. But there's a difference, right? There's a difference in that place when God says it to you and you hear it in all of his majesty, right? If we, we know that sometimes we'll have people, kids, our parents will tell us something. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, uh-huh, sure. Um, but then I'll tell you what, have you ever had God's spirit say something to you? You're like, okay, yep, that's true, <laughs> right? Our, our friends would tell, or try to tell us something about, uh, give us constructive criticism, which we all handle perfectly well, right? We're all very key on that. 
Um, but the truth of it is, uh, when God says something, though, he says it so deep into our heart, right? There's something that resonates. There's something about hearing. And again, the Bible says he talks deep to deep. And we do know, right? Sometimes we sit there and we say, God, I can't hear you. Is that true? Is it that we really don't hear him in that moment? Sometimes, maybe, right? Our situations are so loud. Um, but this is what I know, right? I just think of a verse Judy shared a long time ago, but right, I think it's in Psalms, and it says, his voice is like the roar of a waterfall. That is not quiet. You can have a pretty honking loud life, and you're still going to hear his voice. It's still there. There's something about us, right? Now, there may be a time where we don't want to listen. We don't want to do it. Right? It's like, no, 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 tell me something else, right? That, that cannot be the right thing because that is definitely not what I want to do. So I'm going to go over here. Um, but there is a truth, right, that it says his voice speaks. And so this is what I say, like, in that quiet place, like, part of worship really is about quieting yourself. Like, yes, he'll speak in your roar, and sometimes, or, yeah, he'll speak in your roar. Um, but sometimes, um, he does call us away, right? He calls us away and he is saying, I want to speak in the quiet, right? Like you do need to come to me. I need you to stop long enough to just listen to me. Um, and so uh, Job, or God, is saying all this stuff to Job. And so he kind of pauses for a second and he kind of lets Job, and Job's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that, right? But God doesn't stop, right? God starts again, and he says, okay, and now you answer me this, right? And so God keeps talking, keeps talking, keeps talking, and tells him all of this stuff, like this is everything that I've done. How could you make sense of it? You're sitting here thinking you've got it all figured out. You're sitting here thinking you can make sense of everything that's happened in your life. You're sitting here thinking that it has to be about good or it has to be about bad, um, that there's this reason you can figure out. And maybe, maybe you just need to let me be me. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The hidden things belong to Yahweh our God, but the revealed things belong to us. There are parts in our life where God is going to show us things, and there are parts where, whether it's for time uh, or whatever that looks like, right, that that is going to be something that is between God and God alone, and he's not going to choose to share that with us. We're not going to know why this thing happened right in this moment. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.